Well, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever time it is, wherever you are tuning in uh, to a voice from the ever change, wherever you are in the world, welcome. Uh, this is episode 26 of A Voice from the Ever Change, uh, which somehow feels like a lot and not so much at the same time. <laughs> Uh, so what I'll be doing here is I'll be guiding a meditation into silence. It's just your basic uh, meditation on the present moment. So practicing embracing the present moment in this meditation, coming into rest. And then we'll have cultivated a certain type of quality of stillness or silence in that meditation. And then in that silent space, I'll offer up a poem uh, which I composed. It's from my book uh, entitled A Voice from the Ever Change, and then a commentary also uh, from the same book on the same poem. Now a little bit about the book that I'm reading from. Uh, as some of you watching will no have known, uh, about a year ago I came up to the New Life Foundation in northern Thailand in Chiang Rai. Beautiful area, beautiful uh, intentional community, uh, beautiful recovery center. And so here I'm doing uh, meditation uh, sessions, one-on-one -on -one sessions and group sessions, guided meditations and so forth. Uh, and that's where I am right now, actually, currently uh, working at the New Life Foundation. That's where I'm filming from right now, in case you're curious. So, um, I was asked as a way of bringing the community into a silent meditation each morning I was asked to read uh, something inspirational from a traditional uh, meditation text, a spiritual text or so forth. And uh, so I would go into the library here at New Life where there's hundreds and hundreds of books uh, from all different types of authors, all different types of traditions. And I would go leafing through these pages of these wonderful books. And it would take me hours to find something that I really thought was pithy enough to offer, to bring the group into to silence, uh, and also spoke to me. I couldn't find that exact combination. And so I realized that I was actually looking in the pages of these books for something in my own voice. I thought, well, that's really quite silly. <laughs> Why don't I just write something myself? And so I started writing uh, small poems, uh, a couple of verses, as a way of guiding the group into silence. And so that's how I'm offering them here on this video series, as a way of kind of uh, deepening the pre-existing guided meditation. Now, when I went back and wrote the commentary, I would actually do the same thing. I would meditate on the poem uh, for some time, maybe a half an hour, maybe 45 minutes, and then compose the commentary out of what was arising in that meditation practice. So I encourage you, the listener, the viewer, to allow the commentary to continue guiding your meditation. Now, that might bring you to different places than uh, myself or than to anybody else you might 
discuss this series with, uh, and that's fine. Uh, the words to the poem, the words to the commentary uh, can guide your awareness wherever it may want to go. And they could be many different places and it might be different if you read uh, the poem once and then you read it again a few days later, it might bring you to a different place. So there's no wrong or right about that. Okay. I think that's all I wanted to say. If you are reading along in the book, and by the way, I am sending uh, PDF copies of A Voice, to the Ever, a Voice from the Ever Change uh, out. So if you'd like a PDF copy, uh, please do message me with your email address, and I'm happy to send that along. And if you are, if you do have a PDF and you're reading along, this is the first poem in the new chapter, the chapter on impermanence. Enjoy. So allowing the body, mind and heart to settle. just coming into this present moment experience. Noticing the breath as it enters and leaves the nose. You might notice a cool or a dry sensation at the nostrils. Or simply noticing the temperature changing from cooler to warmer as you inhale and exhale. Noticing the breath as it touches the back of the throat. There might be a dry or a tingling sensation there. Allowing awareness to expand, to include the rib cage expanding and contracting with each breath. You might notice sensations of clothing moving to adjust with the rising and falling of the chest, shoulders and abdomen with each breath. You might also notice the back moving out slightly as you breathe in and in as you breathe out. Perhaps also noticing the body straightening up slightly on the in-breath and leaning forward slightly on the out-breath. And so we'll rest right there just for a few moments, resting in awareness of the breathing process, noticing the sensations of the breath from the nose to the abdomen, the abdomen to the nose and just rest. And if at any time you become distracted by your thoughts during this meditation practice, simply labeling the thoughts thinking, which will allow the thoughts to dissolve, 
and you can gently return back to the present moment experience. And breathing in and breathing out while resting in the experience of breath, allow awareness to expand again to include sensations of clothing against the shoulders, noticing the arms against the body, the hands resting against the body or touching each other. You might also notice sensations of clothing against the back, noticing the weight of the body against the chair or cushion, mat or floor. Noticing the sensations of clothing against the legs, noticing the feet against the mat or the floor. And so while resting with the experience of breath and body, you might also notice sensations arising from the back of the neck. There might be sensations arising from the back of the head as well. Noticing any sensations arising from the ears. Allowing awareness to move into the cheeks of the face. Noticing sensations arising from the face, including the lips, the nose, sensations arising from the eyes and the forehead. Resting attention back at the top of the head, noticing any sensations arising from the crown of the head. And so we'll rest right there just for a few moments, resting with the breath from the nose to the abdomen, the abdomen to the nose. Resting with sensations arising throughout the body from the top of the head to the bottoms of the feet. And again, if you notice your mind becoming distracted by thoughts, simply labeling those thoughts with the word thinking, allowing the thoughts to go and gently returning back to the present moment. And now while resting with the breath, resting with the body, allowing awareness to expand again to include any sounds which might be available during this present moment experience. There might be the sound of a neighbor's television or music playing nearby. 
There might be the sound of a bird song or crickets. Perhaps traffic passing outside the window. Not focusing on any one sound in particular, but noticing the entire field of sound as if we were listening to the soundtrack of the present moment. And in addition to the canopy of sounds, paying close attention to the backdrop of silent space. There's always a quality of still silence within the present moment. And so we'll rest right there, maintaining open, spacious awareness on the silence and sound, sensations of body and breath, and just rest, breathing in and breathing out. The poem, the wise never arrive, for it seems the wise have learned to rest in the state of becoming. There is no destination, only the path. To make the path one of love is truly wise. May we all make the path a path of love. The absence of judgment, the radical embrace of this. Just this, just now, just rest. The commentary. Every arrival begins a new journey. But if we can completely let go of the concept of arrival, then the journey never ends. For in reality, that is how it is. Or is it? Yes, today's experiences are the fruits of yesterday, but not just our yesterday. Today's experience is the fruits of our yesterday in combination with everything else which yesterday bumped into and intermingled with. This month's yield is a result of last month's toiling in the fields, plus the rains, plus the sunshine, the fertilizer, the soil, and countless other factors. This year's gold 
is a result of last year's investment and the investment of all the other investors during that time and the mood of the market in general from the time of the investment till now, plus the appreciation of the currency which we are investing in and so forth. This is where I take issue with the traditional definition of karma or kama as cause and effect. To me, that seems like a gross reductionism and serious oversight of the millions of conditions which move together to create whatever is happening right now. The motion of events leading to the writing of this book, for example, goes back to the very day I was born, and yet back further still, to the very beginning of time. Countless situations, encounters, interactions, conversations, accidents, and carefully planned out occurrences which took place from before recorded time began to just this right now, to this very moment. You would not be listening to this, and I would not be writing any of this, if just one of those encounters had not taken place. If just one of those situations over the course of the millennia leading up to this very moment had not resolved in exactly the way it did, none of what is happening right now would be happening. We have the audacity to judge each moment with a labeling of being good or bad according to how it suits our desires, needs, or wants of the present moment. Huh. How silly indeed. We cannot possibly know if any one thing is truly bad or good because we will never arrive at a stationary situation from which to sit and judge. There is no such place which isn't changing to another place. Likewise, there can never be a situation which isn't giving birth to millions of other situations with each and every breath. The wise person in bearing witness to this constant unfolding is able to release and let go of the truly trivial judgments and rest in the ease of not knowing. Now this requires a radical trust of, what, of whatever is being experienced is exactly what needs to be experienced simply because that is what is happening in just this present moment. This ability can be cultivated through the practice of resting in meditation. During meditation, one takes up the practice of resting into the present moment experience, regardless of the forms arising within it. Those arising forms will be seen as morphing, changing, evolving, arising, and ceasing. The meditation practice will allow one to rest in the ever-changing landscape without becoming hypnotized by whatever experiences arise. This gives us the extraordinary opportunity to make the choice of resting in the ever-changing landscape of right now.
A path has certain features. Typically, in order to recognize a path, we must see that it has two sides far enough apart for one to travel in between. This path which I write about today is distinguished by the deep channels of compassion and wisdom. On one side of the path, there is compassion. On the other side, there is wisdom. It is in between these two channels which lie the path upon which we now tread. How do we cultivate the compassion channel of the path? By practicing compassion and the practices designed to encourage such a quality. How does one cultivate the wisdom side of this path? by studying the teachings and writings of those who have walked similar paths and blazed similar trails. If these wise travelers were gracious enough to leave the wisdom which they collected behind as guides, we can use that. When we can rest on the ever-flowing river of change of life between the shores of compassion and wisdom, we relinquish all sense of controlling any particular outcome. We give up any hope of accomplishment. We allow any agenda to fade. We forfeit any desire for any one thing to be anything at all. We rest in complete surrender of the present moment. In this resting state of surrender, everything which needs to be accomplished will be accomplished. And as we dance between the edges of compassion and wisdom, we skillfully and gracefully disseminate our accomplishments for the greater good of all we encounter. This is true love. But here we must be careful we must take the time to recognize that even the shores of wisdom and compassion which mark the edges of our path are too in a state of flux. Otherwise, we run the risk of defining ourselves by the teachings which we have studied, the wisdom which has been left behind so graciously by the masters as tools to use to cultivate our own path may easily become ossified into dogma, thus cementing the path of those who came before us rather than allowing for us to go forth and blaze our own trail in our own voice. When this hardening of wisdom crystallizes into a belief, it closes one off to the vitality, freshness, and creativity inherent in the original teachings themselves and gives rise to stubborn indignation and indifference towards all of those whom hold different beliefs. This can and often does bring about religious wars, violence, and fundamentalism. There is nothing which stands outside the ever-changing river of life. And when a belief system, religion, or philosophy makes the attempt to do so, it leads to cultural illnesses such as violence, war, dogma, anger, hatred, xenophobia, and countless other imbalances. 
Whenever we find ourselves defending a belief, even if that belief is steeped in what we feel is wise and or compassionate, we must recognize that those are simply ideas. Those beliefs are also just thought structures in which we are finding a false sense of solidity and comfort. We can then ask ourselves, what does it feel like in my body or my heart when I hold on to this or defend this belief? Noting the various tensions which might be arising in the body. What am I defending right now? Is this defense even necessary? Those are other questions which can be used to bring our awareness to what it feels like when we are clinging to our own belief structures. In bringing this type of awareness, we can drop the habitual clinging, defending and arguing, and address the present moment with compassion, skill, and mindfulness. Otherwise, we fall into experiencing life through the lens of a particular belief system or creed, which necessarily filters out the present moment through the thought structures of the past. We then experience life through attraction to what confirms our view, aversion to what threatens our view, and indifference to views we know little or nothing about. Our life then becomes a dance between these two extremes. One way to avoid this ever-exhausting struggle is to use the practices left behind by the wise to create our own path. Which practices should you use? Only the ones which do not harm yourself or others, and only the practices which speak clearly to your heart. So I hope you enjoyed uh, the guided meditation, the poem and the commentary there. Uh, I hope that was able to bring you uh, some places, uh, perhaps places you've never gone before. Um, now I covered a lot of ground in that commentary and I think a lot of it pertains to the current world climate. And really the ability to rest into the present moment. Um, and not saying that this coronavirus is the result of that one group doing one 
certain activity. Uh, what I'm thinking of right now is there's been a lot of finger pointing and blaming, you know, towards the Chinese uh, culture and their, their, their habit of eating uh, certain animals. There's no one experience that's happening right now that is the direct result of another one experience. It's a, it doesn't work that way. It might seem that way, but actually, and as I was pointing to in the poem in the commentary, there are millions and millions of causes and conditions which lead to this very present moment experience. So to, to point a finger and to point blame at any one particular group or any one particular person, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't really compute. It doesn't, uh, the, uh, the nature of the life that we live uh, doesn't lend itself to that reality. Now it's, it's very common as human beings, we like to find blame for experiences that we find distasteful or unfavorable or painful. We want to point the finger at a, at a group of people or a certain type of person that seems like an other. The first step in resolving that, at least the way I practice it, is to recognize that there is no other. That there's just this human family and we all are united by the desire not to suffer, not to be harmed, and the desire to live a life of peace. We're all united by that. That's the baseline. So when we can see that baseline very clearly, the us and them dissolves and it becomes a we. Now, Granted, there are members of that we that might do things that we don't like. I mean, that happens at family gatherings, right? <laughs> the uncle that shows up drunk at Thanksgiving dinner or uh, whatever it is, whatever our family unit is, there's always something that we, you know, that tension. We wish they would have done something different. We wish they would have said something different. They, we wish that they would do more of the same, whatever it is. Extend that out to, to the global family. So instead of condemning people, instead of uh, pointing fingers and blaming, that energy is only going to harm all of us. Right now, coming together as a human race, as a global family, to face a global pandemic only makes sense. And this is the great opportunity. We are united by mediums such as this, the internet, electronic devices that make the world so much smaller than it ever has been before. We can communicate with people in other cultures, in other countries. We can ask them what their experiences like. We can get to know them. 
that technology, that access wasn't available even 20 years ago. So we are, we are in a new place right now. Yes, we are facing new challenges, but we have new access to, to new ways of rising above that challenge. Don't let the politicians divide us. And even that statement is divisive. All beings want happiness and want to avoid suffering. We all deserve to live a life of peace without struggle. We all deserve to, to experience the world accepting us just as we are. That's the human birthright. And so I think that's all I wanted to say for this episode, episode 26. Thank you for tuning in. Sorry, I got a little bit preachy there, um, but that is something that's really one of the reasons why I teach is this topic. Uh, so it, 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 it runs very close to my heart. I'll see you tomorrow for episode 27 of A Voice from the Ever Change. This is my uh, very small, humble contribution to improving uh, the world climate currently. Uh, most of the world is currently in lockdown or currently observing uh, stay home uh, precautions. So hopefully uh, you're finding uh, these episodes entertaining and uh, useful to some respect. Um, and I really wanna thank not only the people tuning into this, which is really beneficial to me as well, uh, but also want to thank everyone else who's been doing Facebook Lives, all of the, the dance routines that I've been seeing and all of the singers and, and, and musicians who are coming forth and donating their time, donating their talents to improve uh, the world climate through this medium. Uh, everything from cat videos, which I love, I'm, I'm partial to those, uh, to, to crazy dance routines, to beautiful music uh, that's coming forth, uh, comedy routines, all the rest. Thank you for all of that. And uh, please do practice your social distancing two to three meters apart. I always say three meters because then you have an extra meter to work with. Uh, wash your hands, alcohol, uh, stay home if you can, and uh, we'll get through this together. Much love.